like to turn to, well, I got several passages of scripture, but I'd like to start you out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verses 20 through 24, and I would like to be in Proverbs chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, verse 20 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today, speak into this church and to our lives. God, propel us forward. May we grow in you, become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to talk to you today about um, the foundation of wisdom, the foundation of wisdom. And, um, in this passage in 1 Corinthians, it says, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. The world by wisdom knew not God. Now, our fine Bible quizzers this year, they're studying through the book of Proverbs. And uh, so I am reading out of the King James, out of Proverbs, even though they're not in here, but in commitment to that's what they're learning it in. And I'm also studying the book of Proverbs separately, um, Proverbs and Psalms. And God's really been speaking to me out of it. And, um, and I feel like God's given me some things and has given me some more things out of here that you'll, you'll hear from. But in Proverbs chapter 1, it begins, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtility to the simple, to the young men, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise in their dark sayings. And then verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When I open up the book of Proverbs and, and I read about wisdom, or we read here in 1 Corinthians about wisdom, I don't know, for me it kind of does something to me, and um, <laughs> I was a nerd, so I get out my textbooks, you know, and uh, I would have my, I, would, I think in that, that realm of smart people, and I didn't know that being a smart person was something that was supposed to be bad. Did any of you guys ever make fun of smart people as kids? Oh, no hands raised. That is awesome. Great. Great. I wanted to be one of those smart people, um, so I became a smart-mouthed person. And uh, no, these jokes aren't very good today, are they? Um, but I would, I would always admired people who, who had knowledge and understanding, they could see into things. I really was fascinated. I took the chemistry and physics classes. I'm sure you all did that as well. Um, and I took every one of them I could get, and I liked when I could take my little, um, I could take my little, uh, uh, get them right, my protractor, or no, my, the comp, right? And I would put the straw on the end. I get compass and protractor, I always flipped around my head. You see, I wanted to be one of the smart people. I didn't say I was the smart person. I'd put the straw on the end, and I'd hang down the string, and I'd sight at the tree, and I would pace off the distance, and pretty soon I could tell you the height of the tree. And I was like, this is great. Or when the physics teacher said, hey, when I'm going to blow this ball bearing out of this tube, and I, at, immediately there's going to be a ball that falls through the air over here, and they're going to collide, and I can tell you how to figure that out. And I thought, man, that's great. You know, and that's, that's what they do with missile defense systems, except it's a bit more complicated now. 
Um, you know, and, and I would read these things. And I'm always fascinated. So I went into engineering and wisdom and knowledge and trying to obtain. And so when I'd read Proverbs and, and James, I would see into wisdom. And I'd be like, oh, that's something to, to learn about and to obtain. But I've been learning a few things about biblical wisdom versus world wisdom. And the, for the Greeks, wisdom or knowledge was something to obtain for knowledge's sake. You were trying to glean it and you were trying to soak it in and, and they would gather and they would discuss and they would meet and people would share ideas and thoughts and things would be lifted up because of its knowledge. But in Hebrew wisdom... Wisdom was just the beginning. It was the foundational thing that you looked at and you said, okay, I now have some knowledge here. What do I do with it? And this is a concept that the church really needs to grasp. And, and that's, it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to do something with what you know. You can't just read the Bible and it become that mirror that you look into and then when you walk away, you forget it. It's intended to be ingested and then to change you. The word that people like to use is formation instead of education. And I like that word because I think it's, it's rooted in the French, but it means, hey, we're making something out of you. Um, I, I didn't just put some knowledge into you on how to do math. And I didn't just put knowledge into you about banks or, or, or checking accounts. I'm teaching you how to balance your checkbook, how to live within your means, how to, to do right with what you have. You guys understand what I'm saying here? It's, it's taking knowledge and then saying, what can I be as a person? But when it comes to God, it's not just, okay, can I run government? Or can I run a business? Or... or um, can I do the Jeopardy show? No, it's about how do I live morally and ethically right within God's standard of holiness within this world. And so when you study the Bible and you open up the book of Proverbs, you have to understand some things. One, you have to understand there's an automatic assumption that you believe in God. And that you understand that God created all things. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, it says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding he hath established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. This is telling us, uh, um, hey, it was God that made everything. And that's a basic assumption that you don't share necessarily with the rest of the world. Um, some of my engineering friends, or, or uh, if I could say science friends, I don't know that I really have science friends, but scientists. Uh, in college, I had some that worked at NASA, and I thought they were pretty great. And, um, and so I wanted to study with them. They didn't necessarily want to study with me, but I was like, hey, they know how to do this. So I was trying to figure out things. And, um, but they don't necessarily think in their mind that God created the heavens and the earth. And that is an important foundational principle. When you realize that God made everything, and in this passage right here, when it says that He founded and that He established, that was God's active working. Oh, I, I see God out there. He was busy. He was like, it's got to look like this. and the, I'm going to make a law of physics that works that way. And I'm going to make light work like this. And, 
and he was shaping it and he was casting it out there and, and he was making all the things you can see and not see and, and he was establishing all of it. When you realize that and then you realize that God cares about your sin and that God became flesh, that tells you, that, that says the God that would create the universe cares about the details of the universe and is active in my life cares about the details of my life. And when you get that grasp that He cares about your details and that He's an active God, that changes your view of problems. You're like, okay. It also changes your view of how you behave. Because you, you say, okay, wait, can, can I behave this way? That's part of the reason some people don't believe, want to believe in God. Because once you recognize there's a God, and you recognize that He's active and that He cares, what do you do with Him? And that means that my actions here are being judged by something that's greater than me, and so I don't get to be the one that determines my rights and wrongs. That's why I always love when somebody says, well, that's not my opinion. I'm like, well, that's okay between us. Like, if we don't share the same opinion about a color or, or what the drapes should look like or, uh, or what tastes good and what doesn't taste good, but sin, well, there's someone above us that's judging that. Is that right or is that wrong? And his, he's the one who established the rules. He laid out the laws. And, and he sees the bigger picture. And so you can't just say, well, I'm sorry, but that's not my opinion. That's like taking the test at school and you hand it in and, and you wait. And if you do one of those ones online, every few days you check. I wonder if the teacher's graded my paper. And, and you look and, well, Jeremy, you're taking grad classes and, and you, you've got to wonder, okay, how did they judge my work? Why it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter if you disagree or not. I had a project the other day, and we wrote some big fancy report, and it went to another team. And that team went through everything, and they wrote some big fancy report, and they disagreed with our report. And then that went to another individual who looked at both reports. And, and then it finally everything was resolved and taken care of, and someone came back with a question, and I was supposed to answer the question. And I couldn't answer it based off my report. Because my report wasn't the final report. And I read the stuff from the teams above me, and it didn't matter if I agreed with what they said or not. Their rules were the final rules. They had the final say. And that's the way it is with God. God is supreme. You may think that your life is not fair. And that's a legit feeling. That's a legit struggle. But you need to come to God with what you look at. and You say, well, this is not fair. And you need to say, God, help me to understand. Either God, plead my case for me, if you're, or if you could give me some insight. And if you choose not to do any of that, God, help me to be comfortable with the fact that you understand and that you're in control. But don't let your ego and self get so big that you would think you're at the same place with God. That's what happened to Lucifer. He was lifted up in pride and, and he saw himself at an equal place and, and he, he thought, hey, you know, I, I've got the same right at the table here to make decisions. And so he tried to bring that to Adam and Eve. Then all, and he said, hey, take, eat of that tree. You're going to be wise as God. You're going to know good and evil. You're, you're all going to be at the same spot at the table. You know, it's, well, that's God's opinion. No. But God established. And so when we look at wisdom and we look at 
at the book of Proverbs and we look at wisdom literature, we need to understand that the Bible is coming from the place that God is in control and that He's established everything. Wisdom speaks of this in Proverbs chapter 8, and I like some of these verses. It says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way. Before His works of old, I was set up from everlasting. From the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no foundations abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet He had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When He had prepared the heavens, I was there when He set up the compass upon the face of the depth. When He established the clouds above, when He strengthened the fountains of the deep. When He gave to the sea His decree that the water should not pass His commandment, when He appointed the foundations of the earth. You know, what, what was God saying here when He had this written in the book of Proverbs? What wisdom in this creation of wisdom? I just kind of hang out there just for a minute. Everything that's made in this world, God established rules and laws and principles. And I heard someone say, I was listening to a recording the other day, and, and say, hey, you know, what was God's will in that earthquake? Was his will for all those people to die? And someone responded and they said, no. That the earth and the materials in the earth would behave the way God designed them to behave. I mean, something down in the crust of the earth was under stress and forces and, and that it would behave the way it was designed to behave. And you could think of that in terms of weather and, and convection currents and all that. Nobody wants a science lesson today. But, but when you look out there and you see how the earth is working, you've got to understand God established rules. That's why if I eat lots of donuts, I will look like a donut. You know, it's... If I don't get some level of exercise in, I don't quite have as much, much breath and I don't have quite as much endurance. It's, um, if I, it, there, there's rules to things. And yet, when you look at that, that's how come the earth works and that's how everything's in an orderly place. God was establishing rules. But the exciting thing is that the one who made the rules can step in at any time and say, wait a second. This can't go this way anymore. Oh, I've got to work a change in this situation. And so we can go to the Creator and the Maker, and we can trust Him with our problems. Remember a book by Oma Ellis, and she talked about faith, and she talked about angels, and, and there was a tornado approaching her property. <laughs> and she said, God, this is not going to work for me. And she stepped out, and she looked at that tornado, and it picked up right over the top of the property took a brick off the chimney and settled down on the other side. That's God will step into your problem, whether it's a natural phenomena or it's your health or it's your bills that you need paid. You can come to Him and you can say, hey God, I don't know how to sort this out anymore. And you know, frankly God, I did some things the wrong way. But I'm asking for your wisdom, your direction, and your moving to work our way through this. God will hear you. And God cares about you, and He will give you direction and guidance through it. He has established all things. He founded the worlds. He founded the worlds. And so, we see here, He says, to know wisdom, Proverbs chapter 1, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom. Oh God, 
help me to know. Help me to understand. You know, the rest of the, much of the Bible, we read in the Old Testament, New Testament, it has stories and it has narrative and it has the miraculous and it has God speaking into lives and giving direction to people. When you read through books like the book of Proverbs here, you'll see that we can learn that from very nature. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And we can learn from our surroundings about God. We can learn about rules and how they work and, and, and what works and what doesn't work. Let me give you a little piece of advice there. The ant that we can learn from to be industrious, those rules don't apply when the ant's destroying your house and eating all the wood. And, and You have to take it in its proper perspective. What you have to do is you have to take what you see in this world and then you have to get under godly anointing and, and godly understanding. And then you have to put it in perspective. Not every proverb you read, they're little short sayings. Not every little saying you read here will necessarily apply to every single situation. But it will apply to the situation where it matters. And so when you study the Word and, and you hide these things in your heart, you've got to recognize, hey, God, this Word right here is applying to my situation. And, and God, this life observation, you, you're now opening my eyes to, to know, hey, I, I need to do something about this. Why, why go to the ant thou sluggard? Well, it's not because we're supposed to tear things up. It's because we're supposed to build things up. And, and that passage right there was warning us. It's saying, hey, this is why this is valuable. Because a lot of times people will think, hey, you know what? I've got Jesus. He filled me with His Spirit. He's the provider of everything in my life. And, and, and He just needs to take care of everything out here. And yet when we read this passage about go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise what we can learn when we read about that sluggard is, hey, if I don't take care of my business, my business is going to fall apart. The wise man walked by and he saw the vineyard and he said, hey, well, that sluggard, that lazy person, this whole thing fell in disrepair. And now poverty is going to come on him suddenly. Why is that? Because he didn't pay attention. He wasn't industrious. He didn't work. And so what this tells us is that we have a responsibility to know how we should live and how we should behave. That way we're not caught by surprise when things come our way. We've made preparations here at the Church of Omaha. We have security teams in place. It's not because we don't trust God that God isn't going to take care of us and keep us. But it's because we've looked at the world around us and we've said there's problems out there. We have a, a bank account. We all pay tithes. We give offerings. Why? Because we know that there's a light bill that needs to be paid and that God made provision for us to be able to take care of that. And then we don't just spend all the money today and then say, well, that bill's due tomorrow. Well, I'm expecting God to bring it in. No, we're some wise, wise stewards. We look at those things. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. But this is more than just working you know, in our budget and, and lining up accounts. This is how do we behave in this world? It says to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity. What does that mean? Wisdom, justice, judgment and equity. Well, here, this wisdom is good sense. 
Could I just have some good old sense? We talk about good old common sense. Isn't so common anymore. Some good sense. I'm sure you've run into the person you were like, I don't know where their head is at. <laughs> I remember a story of the, the really smart professor and his students found him out in the parking lot and he had not put his car in park. And so he got out of his car and it ever so gently rolled over the top of his foot. And then it stopped. <laughs> and so the students were like, our smart professor that can teach us all these great details about life didn't have enough sense to put his car in park. And they really enjoyed rolling the car off his foot. But good sense, to have good sense, that's valuable. Good sense. Wisdom. Justice. That is doing right. Doing the right Thing. Oh, Lord, when I look around our world today, there's a lot of people who are out for me. And they're out to say, hey, what's good for me? And what's good for you isn't necessarily the right thing. What feels good, I'm telling you today, hear me. If you look for the easy way out, if you look to take care of your personal needs, it's going to come back to bite you one day. It's going to come back to bite you. If nothing else, when you're in a place of need and you're in a troubled situation and you're looking for somebody to have mercy on you, I would ask you, did you have mercy on others? Or did you just look out for number one? Proverbs chapters 1 through 9, it has a couple of big warnings that come out. It tells the young man, it says, hey, don't try to get rich by just doing the easy thing. By, by taking the, the uh, uh, next little uh, uh, um, gimmick that comes along, or you can cheat somebody out of some money. Don't do it. That's looking out for you, and that's, you're saying, hey, what, what's going to satisfy me in the moment? But it doesn't last. It also instructs him, don't fall for sexual sins and desires, those things that are easy come and easy go. They, they, they come into your life, and, and you think, wow, this is my opportunity and then you're destroyed in a moment to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment. And equity, justice, and judgment. What's judgment here? It's to do just. It's that treat people right. We need that in our world today. We, need, we have a lot of people that are going to court to say, hey, you know what? Can I get something for nothing? You know, it, it can, somebody did me wrong. But can we make right decisions? Can we make right judgments? Can, can we look at the, the condition of our nation and the condition of people that are suffering and that are in despair? And can we not begin to see their problem and their situation? Can we not care? Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says... Um, God speaking here, He says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, with thy God. So what is the prophet telling us here as we see the struggle of the nation of Israel and their condition? He's saying, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Church, there is a responsibility of the church in this world to do right. 
to have proper justice and judgment, for us to have integrity, to look at the condition of people and to care, and to get a little dose of humility about ourselves. Oh, we, we can't be like, oh, they deserved it. Instead, you need to say, wait a second, but such were some of you. But God had mercy on me. Oh, I don't know about you, but I prayed, God, I made some decisions that I wish I wouldn't have done. And I'm asking you to not let the judgment come like it possibly could, but have mercy on me. And could you pray that for somebody else? And could you also look at them and could you say, God, and could you treat them? Could you give them some mercy? You know, not everybody was born with the same brain. Thank the Lord. Not everybody has the same skill set. And you know, my wife, she doesn't want to go to work and work on generators. She, she doesn't care one thing about electricity, turbines. And I am telling you today, I cannot craft a card the way she can. It's not happening. We turned out some Valentine's boxes this week. We. I cut some holes and punched two holes. This is where the cards go, and you can stick your sticks here. Everything else was my wife, with the children, um, <laughs> making these Valentine's boxes. And they were cool, and they sat down, and they worked together. It is not my area. Thank the Lord that He's given different gifts and talents to people, different abilities. So look at one another. Have mercy in an area where it's not their thing. And appreciate what God has placed in them. We need to have some humility in this world and appreciation for other people. That's what we need to do. God, hallelujah. Justice and judgment and equity. To do what's fair, what's right. To give subtility to the simple or to help someone to see challenges and to get through the problems and situation. To make preparation to form plans. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. It's can I have the smarts to get through this? A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain into wise counsel to understand a proverb and the interpretation of, thereof. Wisdom, understanding. And then, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The world needs the church to be a moral bastion of truth. Before I get to verse 7, they need the, world, the church to be a moral bastion of truth. They need the church to take godly principles and they need us to live it out in our lives. And we need to apply them whether they understand it or not. Why? In 1 Corinthians it said, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? If you try to live life according to the moral principles that the schools would give you, that the news media would give you at night, that even your neighbors would give you, that is not the way that God has called us to live. 
And I've, I've been visiting with some co-workers and we've been talking about the condition of our nation. And, you know, some of the things you hear out there lately is I've now become woke. And I think woke is now a term people don't even like to use anymore. And, and, and they're like, hey, you know, I, I suddenly have new understanding. A couple things I've seen out of the woke movement. One, people that were harassing, men that harassed women in 1970 and then suddenly said, oh, I suddenly realized that was wrong. It was wrong in 1970 to not treat somebody right. And it is wrong in 2022. And if you had seen the biblical principle, you would have realized that harassment is not right. Racism isn't biblical. And if we had followed biblical principles and the society would have seen these principles and understood them, they would have realized, I can't live that way in 1950, 1920, 1970, or 2022. But some of the other things you'll realize is they'll get some principles and they'll say, oh wow, people were actually bothered by this. And then they'll say, so we should accept everybody any way they want to live and anything they want to do. That leads to a new condition that I've learned about this last couple weeks in our schools. And that is children who see themselves as animals. Now I played those games as a kid, but it was a game. I am finding out that society is saying, hey, you need to accept these things. That's not biblical. It messes people up. And when you let people dive off down situations and paths, it leads a society into sin. And so the Bible would have taught you, treat people right. And then this is how you live right. And we would have a society, and we would have families that would have peace in the home, that would have marriages that would stay together, and that would have children that would function and be at peace with themselves. If we lived in biblical principles... So we need a church that's going to say, God, how should I behave in my world? Oh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, so when you get down to it and you say, okay, I have an understanding that my wisdom begins with God. Wisdom was created by God. He founded all things. He put the rules in place, not just in the natural but in the spiritual. And I'm first telling you today that my knowledge of God is my basis for everything. Oh, I heard it put this way. It's not the first thing that you do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. No, it's the ABCs. And so when you even begin to read this Bible, all these words are made up with letters. And so if you can understand that in your life, every part of your life, the basic building blocks of it are supposed to be God. And so when you're on your workplace, and when you're working with your coworkers, the foundational thing in your life is supposed to be God. That's why we honor Him with our first fruits, because He gave us what we have. That's why that you respond to your boss the way that you respond. Not because I'm right, 
and I have a right to be heard out here. But you respond with humility. You respond with discretion. You respond in a wise manner. Why? Because Jesus is the basis of your life. And His principles are how you behave. The fear, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. I went through this word fool. I looked up every word fool in the Old Testament. Looked to see at what context it was taken in. It doesn't mean that they don't get money. It doesn't mean that they don't rule in government. It doesn't mean that, that they don't have some successes come their way. But what it does mean is they have a, 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 a disregard for God and the principles of God. And they don't, they don't seem to care about the things that matter to God. And the end of their life will be destruction. Everyone dies. And you can't take this life with you. But the hereafter is going to judge how you behaved. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? Does it mean to shake in your boots? Does it mean to quiver? It's a profound respect for God. It's looking at Him and saying, my understanding in life, the way I function, all the provisions I have, all of that is dependent on Him. I can't live without Him. When I do wrong, it puts me out from underneath His blessing in His hand. Oh, but you know what the exciting thing is, the fear of the Lord? When I'm under it, and His, His hands are over me, He's protecting me. It's like that cloud in the wilderness. Oh, the enemy, when they were on the hillsides and they were looking... Can you imagine what that looked like? They're like, there's always a cloud over them in that desert heat. And when they would show up at night, they'd say, what's that kind of that bright, warm, glowing light? He was a pillar of fire. Oh, the fear of the Lord was over Israel. And when Israel would walk with Him and do what He wanted them to do, their shoes never wore out. Food fell from heaven. You know, God actually did that even when they sinned in the wilderness. But when they got out from underneath His hand, whoa, the, the earth swallowed some people up. When they went to battle in the promised land, when God wasn't fighting for them because they had disobeyed Him, they were destroyed. But when they got back under that hand, God was taking care of them. I want to highlight something else there, though. When you hit the New Testament, you really begin to discover the principle that even when you're in struggle, when you're under the fear of the Lord, He carries you through your problem. So the fear of the Lord is having a respect for God and a dependence on Him. You know what it also is? When you realize that God is in every facet of life and that His principles apply to everything in your life and in this world and that you are supposed to live Him out in every situation. Hear me. You're supposed to live Him out in every aspect of your life. When you realize that, you don't have a personal agenda anymore. Instead, personal agendas get set to the side and you have a dependence and a dependence on self gets set to the side and you have an utter dependence on God. An utter dependence on God. 
And I would tell you today that your reality is shaped by your view of God. And I could go a lot of places with that. I could talk to you about your fears and if you think God's out there to beat you down and crush you, which he's not. But also when you're in problems and circumstances, when you realize that God is in control, that you're under his hand, and that he has nothing but good thoughts towards you, then when you're in a problem, you're going to be like, wait a second, God's got this. And when someone says, well, how are you dealing with this situation? And you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm scared too. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. I can't help that. And they're like, no, wait a second here. Something's different about you. Why? Because you have this quiet, calm understanding that I don't know how this is going to turn out, but the one that's in charge, the rule maker, is looking down, and he's got this because I'm under the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep His commandments. Daniel said in chapter 2, verse 20, he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His God is in control. And so Church of Omaha, what I want to tell you today is God has founded everything. It was His wisdom and principles that created our world, that laid it out. And we are to live Him out in this world. Why? Because we are under the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Can we stand to our feet? The world is desperate for a people. They don't know it. They, they truly don't. They can't understand what it is they need to understand. And we opened up in 1 Corinthians and it said, For it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now I know that you guys don't stand behind a pulpit and this is talking about the word and the gospel being preached out. But you preach with your lives. And you connect with people on a daily basis. And God isn't just a Sunday God. He's a Monday through Saturday God. He's not just a God in your place of prayer when you study the Bible. He's a God of your checkbook. He's a God of your, your project at your job. He's a, he's a God that's, um, if you're selling cars, he's, a, he's on the lot. You can't cheat somebody on the lot. You can't do unjustly there. And when you're faced with circumstances that would separate you in friendships because someone's almost demanding of you to treat someone else incorrectly, you have to do right. The world is begging for somebody to show them the moral way to live under God's rules. So show them Jesus. Lord Jesus, you see this church. You see, oh God, this world that desperately needs you and desperately needs you to be lived out. God, we're placing ourselves under Your hand, under Your knowledge, Lord, under the fear, O oh God, of You, because we trust You and we know that You're our Maker and that You hold all things together. Help us, God, to apply You to our daily living. Help us, O oh God, to carry You out in circumstance and 
to show people proper behavior in all situations. Oh God, give wisdom to this church. Oh God, give strength to this church, Lord. Help them to navigate the circumstances. But most of all, God, let us be a light for You into this world and to change people's lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come back in here at 1120. God bless you. And we'll see you then.